Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Listen, we are so glad that you are here. We are so glad that you are here. If it is your first time, if you're traveling through, if you're here with friends, if people have been, I met a lady today that she said, I've been, someone's been inviting me for a year. And I was like, come on, come on, we, we've been waiting for you. Listen, it's just, it, it's exciting to know that God is, is moving and God is doing. Yesterday, just a, just a couple of stories. Uh, it was so awesome as we gave out gas cards and were able to pray for people. As, and, and, you know, people, when you start giving, people are like, what, what, what do I need to give you? Like, it's crazy because people don't know how to receive without strings attached. You know what I mean? And we're just like, hey, listen, we value you. We love you. We believe God has a plan. And it's really weird when you're like, I love you. Because our world looks at that word love as either a, you grew up in a family, or it's sexual. And so... For it to be kingdom of God and go, hey, listen, you were born with a value. We don't, under, we don't know what choices you're making. We don't know where you're at in your life. We don't know the struggle you're dealing with. But honestly, like, um, we care about that, but that's not the first thing we care about. We actually just care about you. And we believe that there's a calling and a purpose on your life. And we want to give to that. Like, we want to fund that. We want to look at that. And so, you know, even, uh, so we were all at the new building. Uh, and so uh, we had over 90 people serving. Come on, that's awesome. You did a great job. You did a great job. Come on, clap for yourself. Um, but, but so we had a little bit of time, and we went to uh, some apartment complexes right next to that new building. And there was actually a, a family uh, that had never been to church ever before. And uh, because we were feeding and doing stuff for the kids, they actually came in to the building and had never experienced um, a church service or anything like that before. And uh, I just want you to know that on behalf of our church, our staff, our people, um, thank you. Thank you for making time. Thank you for giving. Thank you for tithing. Thank you for investing. Thank you for waking up today and coming. Does that make sense? Because we live in a world where people think it doesn't matter if I come and it doesn't matter where I go and it doesn't matter. But I'm telling you that it matters because there had to be eight or nine people walk around and knock on every door for that family to want to come. That we did eight different, I think 11 different yards, different projects serving. I think we even picked up one more than what we said we were going to do, so it was like 12. And we had pe- people that we got to pray for. There was one man in, uh, disabled in a wheelchair, and he, we did some stuff around his house, and he couldn't do it himself. And I'm just saying, like, we've got to be, come on, the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on, let's give it one more hand for that. So for the, for the next couple weeks, listen, I am, uh, I'm going to be a, a church member. Uh, and so I'm, uh, I'm not speaking, uh, and you're like, what? I, I, listen, I'm not, with this series that we have coming up, we're starting a new series, and uh, we're going to have Devin, we're going to have Jeff, Jeff who just did, 
and then we're going to have Stephen Hill. So, 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 hey, where is he? Where is he? I don't know where he is. He's, he's probably fixing something. But, but uh, we call him Silky Smooth. And so, uh, uh, anyway, uh, on the, th- the third Sunday, Silky Smooth going to bring you, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, if you don't like today, just know it gets better. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. Uh-huh. So here's the we want to have fun. We also want the presence of God uh, to be here. And uh, I, I am joking. Um, the man that's coming to speak to you today and, um, is not only uh, a staff member. He's not only uh, someone that we trust. Um, he is, he used to be over all of the next gen area. He's been in our ministry and around our ministry for nine years uh, he actually came uh, part of the launch team. Uh, this dude slept on a cot. To, come on, listen. When you sleep on a cot, you're going to get a lot. <laughs> you'll preach that sermon. Uh, but, um, but anyway, uh, it, it, we are blessed by the Lord to raise up sons and daughters of this house that are going to go further and farther. I just talked with Adam and Courtney, who we launched last week, yeah. to Belize. And come on, the bus came through. The bus came through. I can't, I can't tell you how many people stopped me and said, that's not a good idea. And I was like, I'm sure when Moses was taking the people to the Red Sea. Come on. Come on. But we made it. <laughs> no, I'm not, I, I don't want to go there on y'all right now. Uh, and so um, we're a launching ministry. We, we believe that. There is a purpose on your life, and we want to partner with that. And it's not a matter of age. It's not even a matter of IQ. It's not a matter of what you've done in your past. We believe that God can redeem all things. And so I'm so excited to see some of these sons of the house as we minister and and do. And and one thing that I hope that you take away over the next three weeks is... Wow, look at the downline of people who are coming up that, you know what I'm saying, that that can minister. And when you're at a church, you can can judge the entrance. You can judge how loud the volume is. We know it's loud, okay? We just know it. Um, uh, um, You can judge how the traffic when you come in. But, But we would ask that you judge the fruit that's growing here. Because the Bible says it is the fruit that will remain. Does that make sense? And so every year that you come here, our processes are going to get better. But our fruit is what we're focusing on. And so when you see this young man come up, uh, uh, this is not just a a, a young father um, or someone young in marriage. uh, But this is a guy that's given nine years of his life to saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so, come on, you got to sit up. You got to get up on your feet. You got, you listen, listen, you, you got to take notes today. You got to get some amens. Come on, let me hear you. Let me hear a little amen. One, two, three. That's what I'm talking about. Y'all give it up for Devin Chi Wood. Come on. Love you. Come on. I already feel it. This is going to be the best service. I told first service. That they were my favorite, but y'all, y'all, y'all might beat them out. Um, and so, uh, like he said, my name is Devin, and I've been on staff here for a while. And this is my beautiful wife, Sydney, right here. And she, uh, 
She's taking on the mantle of all the next-gen ministry. And so uh, if you have problems with your kids, email her now. Those emails no longer come to me. Well, we're going to um, start a new series today. But before I even preach to you, um, I have to give honor where honor is due. And so how many of you know we have awesome pastors yeah. here at the house? Yeah. And so... Um, and the thing that I love about them is there's a lot of places you can go to learn the Bible. There's a lot of places you can get on YouTube and learn about Bible and, and be preached to. Um, but they really have been spiritual, a spiritual father and a spiritual mother to me um, because I didn't grow up with that example at all. And so everything about my life, my marriage, my parenting, my leadership, um, everything that you hear today, um, these are all things that I've learned directly from them. And so I can tell you this, if you're new and you're looking for a church with perfect pastors, um, I don't think we have that. Um, and you are more than welcome to go and start a church, and, and <laughs> you do it perfectly, then please come back and teach us a thing or two on how to do it. Um, but if you're looking for a place with pastors who will love you and who want the best and they want what God has for you and all that he has for you, then I think that you picked a great place to be um, this Sunday. So can we put our hands together for Pastor Stephen and Katie? Come on. All right, so our series is called Make It Plain, okay? And I got to give you a little backstory, okay? When I got saved back in 2013, um, I basically just found the first church that I saw, and I started going to that one. And so it was a little old church, probably had like 30 or 40 people, and the preacher, his name was Brother Ambrose, okay? Now, Brother Ambrose, if you could think of like a light-skinned T.D. Jakes, this was Brother Ambrose, okay? So he just had one of those voices. When he talked, like you listen. It didn't matter if you were a teenager or you were a grown man. He said something, you'd be like, yes, sir, like I'm, go I'm going to do it. And uh, when he would be preaching and he would start going, like it was going well, they, the, the people in the church, they would start to stand up, okay? And I'm going to be honest, there was not, and I'm going to try to say this like the political correct way, there was not many people in this church of the Caucasian descent, okay? This was more... <laughs> So it's like, you better preach it. Come on, talk to them. Let them know. They would stand up. And when he was, come on, getting ready to uncover some revelation that was just going to change your life, they would say, make it plain, okay? And so as we step into this series, I'm not asking you to do all of that. But if you do it, I ain't mad at you. Hey. Um, but what we want to do in this series is we want to take some things that maybe have been overcomplicated, and we want to help make them plain. Because following Jesus, I don't think, is meant to be super complicated. If I can follow him, <laughs> then I think that you can. But sometimes in church, we overcomplicate it, and we miss the very simple things. And so with that being said, I'm talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan today, okay? And so we've all heard this story. Come on, there's organizations and nonprofits that are based out of this. Come on, when somebody does something nice for you, it's like, man, that's a good Samaritan right there. And we, we hear the story, and we think about serving and giving to people and loving on people. And while I think those are all great lessons we can learn, I think that we can squeeze a little bit more out of it. So we're going to go ahead and read it together. It's uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And it says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Okay, you're just going to test Jesus. All right. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you're doing that, you'd be doing pretty good. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him. 
and went away, leaving him half dead. They told this man to pieces. It's just terrible. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Come on, my title today is Like a Good Neighbor. Come on, if you got State Farm, you heard us before. Now, if you don't have State Farm, don't worry. Like, I ain't hating on your progressive insurance or whatever. But today we want to talk about what it's like. What is like a good neighbor? How do you become a good neighbor? You guys pray with me as we get ready for what God has for us. God, we thank you for another day in your house, God, where we can learn from you. We thank you that your word never returns back to you void, that anytime we seek understanding from you, God, you're, you're a good God, so you give it. God, I pray that we would have open ears and soft hearts to hear what you have for us, and that when we leave today, we will leave differently than we came and download something to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was thinking about this story, um, I started to think of neighbors. And let me just preface this by saying all of my neighbors are awesome. In fact, a lot of them go to church here, and so I have no bad neighbors. And what I'm about to say next is not about any of you, okay? So you can just take a deep sigh of relief. But I started to think of the different stereotypes of neighbors. Okay, so let's, let's think of them. And don't judge me because I know that you think this about your neighbors, but you just won't say it, so I'm going to just say it for you. <laughs> But first, you have the nosy neighbor, okay? They want to know. They all up in your business. They want to know everything. They want to know about your kids. They want to know about where they go to school, where do you work, where are you going on vacation this summer. And they always catch you when you go into the mailbox. Like, they're like, oh, it's my time to shine. Like, they run out there and they get you, and now they, they're asking you 100 questions. And you're like, I literally was just trying to get my bills out of my <laughs> mailbox, and now you are interrogating me. <laughs> then you have the social butterfly neighbors, okay? And I've I'm accused of this. It's just because I'm in youth ministry and kids, they just be parking crazy. But they have people over and you're throwing parties. They're throwing parties all the time. And it never fails that the people who are coming over always park in front of your yard. And it's like, I will slash everybody's tires. If you do not move this out of my yard, I'm not playing. If I hit you, you're going to be paying my insurance. I'm not, get out of my yard. You have the social butterfly. Then you have the, the loud neighbors. It doesn't matter what it is. They just loud, especially if you've lived in an apartment. You know what I'm talking about. The people, it's always the people right above you. It's like, does Bigfoot live here? Like, what is going on? It's 1030, and you're stomping around the house. Like, what is going on? There was July 4th last weekend, and while I love fireworks, and we popped a lot of them. At about 11, I was like, okay, I'm trying to put my son down, <laughs> and you still popping fireworks. I'm stealing every lighter out of Pea Ridge. No more <laughs> lighters are going to be... And Ridge. Then you got the property line neighbor, okay? We have fences, so we don't really have to worry about this as much. But you go ahead and mow a little bit too far to the left or a little bit too far to the right. You know he's coming around that corner. He's like, hey, I just want to let you know. I just want to remind you. This is my property line. You're like, I, just, I cut some of your grass. I'm sorry. Please don't. <laughs> please, please, don't please don't shoot me today. I don't want to go through that. 
And this is my personal favorite, okay? The my stuff is slightly better than yours, neighbor. Oh, y'all not going to act like you don't have one of these neighbors. <laughs> and if you don't have one of these neighbors, it's you. <laughs> but we're going to be real today, okay? We're going to be real. I like y'all. So I cut my grass, and then they cut their grass, but they put the cool little lines in it. And it's almost like a, my yard is better than yours. It's, it's cool. I put out my Christmas lights, and then they put out their Christmas lights. I'm like, I ain't even see those. What? You shipped those from Amazon. Like, what? How did you get those? You get a new vehicle, and they get the, the newer version with the Bluetooth and the heated seats, and you're like, come on, bro. Like, like, it's almost like you're trying to smack talk me, but you don't want to say it out loud, but everything you have is slightly better than mine. And so today, as we talk about neighbors, um, I don't even know if Jesus, when he was going and when he was answering this first question, that he even wanted to spend a whole lot of time talking about neighbors. But it was the Pharisee that he wanted to deal with. And so when he gave, when he asked the Pharisee, well, then what do you think? What does the Bible say? And the Pharisee said, you know, love God with all, all that you have and love your neighbor. Jesus was like, okay, you have it. You don't need anything from me. But the Pharisee wanted to justify himself, said, well, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus had to tell this whole story about being a neighbor to prove a point that we'll get to um, later on as we go through this. And so before we reread through this and give some more details and pull out some things from it, I got to give you some context to what's going on, okay? So anytime there's, there's, there's the four Gospels, okay? And Luke is written for a very specific purpose, a very specific people group, okay? So when Luke is writing the gospel, come on, this is going to be shared with Gentiles who are new converts. And so it's a little bit different than some of the other ones where those were going to be shared with more Jewish people. And so just to give you a little background, um, Israelites are Jewish people. They are God's chosen people. Come on, these are the people since, come on, since Abraham that God has been pursuing. He's saying, you know what, you're a royal priesthood and I'm going to move through you. Well, Jesus comes on the scene and then Luke, come on, he's talking to beggars and blind people, and lame people, and he's throwing parties with sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees are not happy about that, because they are like, we are the good ones, but you're spending all your time with the bad ones, and so here, Luke is writing this, and you can just hear as it's being read to the Gentiles, and the people who are not Jewish, and the people who feel like outcasts, that he's connecting with them, and he's telling them the story from a perspective that they can understand, and I'm grateful for Luke, because I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I felt like an outcast. I've had moments where I felt overlooked. And I'm glad that Jesus didn't just come for the put-together people. Because if you met me in 2013, you would have been like, he definitely didn't come for you. <laughs> but Jesus came for the people who have been overlooked. The second thing we need to know is why Jesus even uses parables. Like, why does he tell stories? Why does he even, why doesn't he just get straight to the point? Anybody a straight to the point type of person? Like, when I ask you something, let's just get straight to the point. I don't need you to beat around the bush. I just need you to tell me. And so one day the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, why are you using parables? Why are you telling stories? And Jesus explains to them because there are certain things, because you're a follower of me, that I've revealed to you, that the Father has given to you, that are plain as day. But the people who don't follow me, come on, the religious leaders, when I share these parables, things are hidden in them. And so it makes me cautious when I read a parable, and it's about the Good Samaritan, and it's about serving, and then I see a whole bunch of, and I'm going to just step into it, I'm going to have to step back out of it, okay? A whole bunch of social justice platforms saying, oh, Good Samaritan means this and that, and we have gone along with it, but the thing is, is they're not saved. <laughs> so the parables are for us. The parables are for the followers. So there should be something that we're getting out of this parable that people who don't follow Jesus don't get. 
Like they don't understand it. And so the Pharisees did not understand this parable. And so as we look at this today, I just want to help us open our eyes to what Jesus is trying to communicate. And we need to remember the main question. It is, what, is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So verse 25, we're just going to read through this and we'll talk about it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this man knows the Bible. He's an expert. So when they say an expert in the law, they're not talking about a lawyer. Come on, this ain't SUV crime unit. (laughs) He knows the Bible. He knows the Old Testament. He knows what Moses gave to the children of Israel when they left. So he already knows what that says. So he's not asking the question because he's curious. He's asking the question so that he can catch Jesus. Because while he's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so what you actually have to do to get eternal life is to follow Jesus. And so he's wanting him to say that so that he can have something to convict him with. He's wanting Jesus to say that so he can have something to ashamed Jesus with because he can say, look at this dude. Come on, he's a heretic. Come on, Moses said, love God with everything you have and love your neighbor. And Jesus says, just follow him. And so he's wanting to catch Jesus in a bad moment. And sometimes you can ask the right thing, but if you have the wrong heart, you'll get the wrong result. You'll still get the wrong result because Jesus is everything that you need. Jesus is all that the Pharisee needs. And so while Jesus, come on, is really trying to help people get into the kingdom, the Pharisee wants to be right. And the expert in the law wants to be right. Verse 26, what is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. I can almost hear a little bit of sarcasm in Jesus' voice when he says, yeah, do that. (laughs) Like, if you can love God with everything you have perfectly all the time and also love your neighbor all the time perfectly, you win. (laughs) Like, you got it. The problem is, is maybe if you figure this out, you can come and teach me after this service, and we can go to lunch, and I can just pick your brain. But I have never loved God perfectly with everything that I had all the time, and I've never loved my neighbor perfectly all the time with everything I had. And so instead of making it about that, the Pharisee, he wants to be justified. He wants to dig a little bit deeper because I almost feel like he felt like he was dismissed. You ever, when someone gives you a short answer to something, you ever feel like, nah, you got to circle back. You got to give me some more info because you just told me two words and that didn't help me. So Jesus says, yeah, go, go and do that. And so verse 29, and he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor, bruh? <laughs> if you, you, I'm not the smartest man in the world, but I know who my neighbor is. They kind of put a house right by mine, so it's kind of obvious who my neighbor is. It's kind of obvious what is going on here. And do you know anybody that just misses sometimes? Like, they just miss moments. I'm going to be honest. I've been accused of, you know, missing some things. I have a reputation of if you start a movie with me at 8 o'clock p.m., I'm going to doze off. I'm going to miss it all, and then I'm going to be confused when I wake up because I missed the whole plot, and now somebody dead, everybody's crying, and I'm like... This is a crazy movie. And if it's, if it's at my house, we rewind it. I'm like, okay, I fell asleep for 30 minutes. We got to go 30 minutes back. I paid the bill, so we're going to watch it again, everybody. And let me, 
Let me just pause while we're talking about movie etiquette, okay? This don't have nothing to do with my sermon, but I just want to help you. If you and I go to a movie that just came out together for the first time, and neither one of us have seen it, please don't ask me what's going on. <laughs> well, well, who is that? Well, what do they do? What do you think is going to happen here? I don't know. This Space Jam just came out. I can tell you about the one with Michael Jordan in it, but I cannot tell you about the one with LeBron James. So if you just zip it, we can both figure out what's going on. There's nothing. That was just my flesh. Forgive me. I'm sorry. I miss, I miss my exit going to Bella Vista, and then I end up in Missouri. <laughs> I miss the joke, and then I want you to retell it. <laughs> and this man misses it. He misses what Jesus is trying to communicate. He misses the fact that he does not love God with everything that he has. And he's self-righteous, so he thinks that he does. And he misses the fact that he doesn't love his neighbor. Because to him, his neighbor are the other Pharisees. And so he's like, yeah, I get along with those guys. We have unleavened bread every, time, every now and then. We talk about the Passover. We kind of go over the law together. I love those guys. But Jesus doesn't have the same point of view. Jesus' neighbor is everybody that he comes in contact with. And so while this Pharisee is thinking, oh, I just have to love the people in front of me, Jesus is thinking, if you can love God perfectly with everything you have all the time, and you can love everybody that you can come in contact with, then you don't need me. And if you could do that, let me just explain this. If you could do that, then we wouldn't have needed Jesus. But ever since Genesis until this moment, there has only been one person who did it, and it was Jesus. And we have been falling short over and over and over again. And if we don't catch this, we'll want to justify ourselves. And what we think instead of wanting to be right with God. Don't ever catch yourself wanting to be right more than you want to be right with God. And that's easy. Come on, because I like to argue. <laughs> and I like to be right. But it's more important for you to be right with God. Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus doesn't answer his question directly, but he uses a story. And this path from Jerusalem to Jericho, you need to know, this is not promenade. This is not like the nice place you want to go. This is the hood. This is the ghetto. So people knew in this time, it's steep, it's dark, robbers like to hide out here, and they will jack you up. And so this guy apparently thought, I'm going to make it, I'm going to just do it. But this is bad news, because he gets robbed. They leave him naked <laughs> and half dead. You may have had a bad day or a bad week, but I, don't, I didn't see nobody walking here half naked and beat up and broke, okay? And so this guy has had a bad run. He, got bad, he had bad luck. He made a bad decision. However you want to look at it, this is a bad day. A priest, verse 31, a priest, come on now, surely the pastor is coming down the road and something is going to happen. The church staff is coming down the road, and they're going to do something. Either they're going to give him some water, they're going to pray for him. Like, this is what the Jewish people would have been thinking. There. Oh, yeah, Jesus is about to tell us how awesome we are. And he crosses on the other side of the road. Like, not just walk by him, but he's like, nope. We're going to go the other way. And next is a Levite. Verse 32. So, too, a Levite. Come on. Church staff, worship leaders. Stephen Hill. We can just say Stephen Hill. Let's just, let's just do that. So, too, Stephen Hill, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by 
on the other side. Now, see, if you were in that crowd, you would have thought at the beginning, come on, these guys are going to be the heroes of the story. They're going to be the ones to do it. After all, they know the law. They know that you're supposed to love God and that you're supposed to love people. But they overlook them. How dare them? Can I just be honest with you? I've done that before. I've seen people hurting and broken. And and whatever their excuse was, maybe they thought he deserved it. Like, he's a sinner, obviously, and he put himself in a bad situation. So this is just God repaying him for his sin. Or maybe they thought, I really don't want to get beat up today. (laughs) I really wasn't thinking I was going to get robbed today. Or maybe it was like they thought he was dead and they didn't want to touch him because then they would have to go through this whole process of becoming clean before they could ever go back to the temple. So it was inconvenient. And all the time, we, you and me, we pass by people who are hurting and broken. And I don't want you to feel bad about that. It's because we're human. It's because we miss it sometimes. It's because we get caught up doing other things and we overlook people and we're on our way. So when you read this story, don't judge the priest and the Levite too harshly because that may be you sometime. Like it may be you who walks past someone. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, uh uh-oh, let me just pause right here. Samaritans and Jewish people did not get along, okay? This is not what's up. Like, they don't rock with Samaritans because they feel like Samaritans were mixed breeds. Okay, where are all my mixed people at? Hey, okay, it's just, just me. Okay, we got two of us. We rocking it. Hey, three? Okay, I see the hands coming up in the back. Hallelujah. Um, but Samaritans were mixed, so they were part Jewish, but then they were part like everything else. <laughs> and they didn't really follow everything that the Pharisees followed. And so this was not just like a, I don't like you. This was not a passive-aggressive relationship. This was like, I will bust you in your face if you say something to me. And the reason why we know this is because there was a moment where Jesus and his disciples went into a Samaritan village. They walked into this Samaritan village, and Jesus was like, what's up? I'm trying to show up and blow up. And the Samaritans were like, no, you're on your way to Jerusalem. You got to bounce. Like, we don't rock with y'all. And James and John are like, oh, <laughs> you done messed up. <laughs> you done talked to Jesus the wrong way. That's my boy. And they're two of his disciples, and they say, Jesus. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven? And we can burn them up. (laughs) We can do whatever you want to do. You just say the word, we're going to jump. Like, we are going to handle them for you. And obviously, Jesus says, like, that's not what we're here for. We're not going to do that. But this just shows us that these two don't mix. And so when a Samaritan is brought up, none of the people in the crowd are thinking, this guy is going to win. He's the least likely. If anything, the Samaritan should just kick him and take whatever else he has. But I want us to see what the Samaritan does. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Do y'all know anybody who's extra? I have one friend in particular who is extra. Mitch, where you at? Okay, there you go, right here, front row. And so, no shade. I love him so much. But some people go to Seven Brew, and they just order something off of the menu, because that's why they have menus, to tell you what they got. But my man Mitchell pulls up. I would like three pumps of this, a shake of that, a stir of this. Give me some extra sugar. Take the sugar out. Put it back in. Stir it first. I'm like, okay. He goes to the restaurant. He's like, I would like to have lamb. I'm like, sir, this is Whataburger. (laughs) 
Well, they do not have lamb. <laughs> they can find it. And I'm convinced that the people see Mitch drive up and the cashier is like, somebody tag me in. This brother is about to order so much stuff. This Samaritan is extra. Like he goes above and beyond. He goes above what people would expect of him. This is not just him taking care of somebody who's hurt. I think that most of us would stop if we saw somebody injured and say, hey, can I help you? But he stops what he's doing, goes out of his way, bandages his wounds, pours on oil and wine, gets off of his donkey, puts this man on his donkey, takes him to an inn, takes care of him there. Give The two denarii is two days wage. Come on, I ain't giving you half of my check. I'm just letting you know right there. And that will be worth two months worth of a stay at that inn. This wasn't a holiday inn, okay? This is just like a little hut, okay? So don't, don't think it's the holiday inn. He pays for two months, and then he says, if that's not enough, here's a blank check. And when I come back, Whatever other expenses you've had to cover for him, I am going to go ahead and cover that. This shouldn't be the good Samaritan. This should be the perfect Samaritan because I don't know nobody that loves people like that all the time, every time, every day. So Jesus wraps up the story in in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I love that Jesus ends this with a question. Like, who do you think is the neighbor? And the man answers correctly again. He says, it's the one who showed mercy. He didn't even want to call him a Samaritan. But you can hear the right thing, but have the wrong heart, and it will produce nothing for your life. And so even though he heard the right thing, he still has not budged. And I almost see Jesus saying, go and do that then. As like, I've tried to get through to you, and you are so stuck on the fact that you think you can actually love God good enough, and that you can love people good enough, that you really think you're going to go and do that. But as we look at this story, I don't think this story is just about serving, but I believe that it's about seeking. It's about seeking. How could you possibly say that? Like, this whole story is about this man who gets off his donkey and gives everything he has, and I, and I believe you can learn from that. I think you should get off of your donkey and, and put somebody else on it. I think you should take care of people when they're hurting and when they're broken. That's all great. I love serving. We just spent a whole day yesterday serving. My very first sermon, I went back and listened to it the other day. Um, it was back in 2017 at the house, and it was called Get Your Serve On. I love serving. If you talk to anybody about me, I love to serve. I think that serving is important and that it builds character in your life. But if we're not careful, we'll, listen, we'll read the story and we'll miss it. We'll miss what Jesus was actually trying to communicate to this man because the man first asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? And I came to tell you that what the Samaritan did is impossible for us to do. All of the time for everybody. You might do it for somebody you like, but for your enemy, and if I'm just being real, I would have a problem doing all of this for somebody that I like. Like, it's hard. Two months for you to say, after about two weeks, baby, you got to get up, get a job, do something. You gotta, <laughs> we got to be making some progress. But this Samaritan gives all he has, stops everything that he's doing to love this. Man, I don't think that this sermon is just about serving. It's about what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Because if you think that what you do for God is going to justify you or what you know about God is going to justify you, then we would be wrong 
Because the only one who justifies us is Jesus. It's only through him. He is the way and the only way. He is the truth and the only truth. He is the life and the only life. And there's no other way to get there. There's no other way to get there. And so the Pharisees have to be boiling at this point. Because they're like, first of all, you didn't came in here, you didn't answer my question, really. And then you went on a ramble about the Samaritans. Samaritans, ill. And now you're sending me away saying, just go and do it. But they missed the whole thing. And here's how I know it. It's because if you continue to read Luke chapter 10, there's, you meet Mary and Martha. And so here's Jesus telling this man, go and love people and serve people in your inherent life. But look at what happens with Martha and Mary. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Get up. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken, taken away from her. So when I read this the first time, I was like, hold on, somebody lying. Like, <laughs> Jesus just told this man, go and do and serve and love people. And then he told Martha, you're running around too much, and your sister, who's actually just sitting here doing nothing but sitting at my feet, is actually the one who's doing the right thing. I don't believe that Jesus was contradicting himself, but there are tensions that we have to live out in faith. There are tensions. There's love and truth. Come on, you have to know, when do I need to just be compassionate and love and, and, and hug this person and cry with them? And then when do they need a truth that's like, hey, you actually cannot sleep with everybody you meet. That's not going to help you. There's a tension between being generous, generous and then also being financially wise. So if you have a mortgage next week <laughs> and then you clear out your bank account, <laughs> I don't think that makes sense. There's a way to be generous but also be financially wise. There's a tension between being forgiven, forgiving, and also setting boundaries. So if someone punches you in the face every day, you might want to create a boundary of like, hey, you can't do that. But we are called to forgive people. And this tension that Jesus is talking about in these two stories is the difference between serving and seeking. You have to do both. Both of them are vital to your faith. Because without any works, your faith is dead. But if all you do is go and serve and serve and serve, but you never sit at the feet of Jesus, then you are doing charity, but not ministry. And if you give and give and give, you're giving to charity, but you're not giving to ministry. And there is a difference. There's a difference. And as Jesus is describing the good neighbor, I started to realize that there's only ever been one good neighbor. And I have some awesome neighbors, but there's only been one perfect neighbor. And that was Jesus. Everybody he came in contact with. He didn't care what you look like, what you talk like, where you were from. Everybody that was around him, he loved them. He served them. He gave to them perfectly because we could not. And so if we spend our whole lives trying to work to be the good neighbor, time after time we'll be disappointed. But Jesus was the one who saw you at your lowest point. Yeah, you may not be like the man on the road to Jericho who was naked and all in the street. If you were, hey, everybody got a testimony. Ain't nobody mad. (laughs) But Jesus was the one that came down from heaven 
to, and saw you and stopped what he was doing to love you. Jesus was the one that gave up his donkey. Jesus was the one who came with oil and wine and bandages. And come on, through the Bible, the oil represented the Holy Spirit. And the wine was the blood of Jesus. Come on, and he put you back together and set you up. He was the one who said, come on, take care of this. And when I come back, come on, I'm coming back for you. I'm not just leaving you. I'm not just leaving you broken. I'm not just leaving you tear, tore up. I'm coming back for you. Jesus was the one who neighbored perfectly. And he is the only way for us to be truly fulfilled. So there's three things, and you're like, man, I thought you was landing the plane. Now we got three points still. Come on, somebody. Three things that we need to learn from the parable of the Good Samaritan. The first thing is this. The right thing with the wrong focus is still the wrong thing. The right thing with the wrong focus is still the wrong thing. If you don't believe me, all the husbands in here, listen real quick. I'm going to give you some homework, and you can come back next week and tell me how it went. Or not. It's cool. Go ahead. Next time your wife makes something, and it don't taste good, okay, because everybody have little mess-ups, okay? Everybody burns something every now and then. And go ahead and be like, you know what, babe? In front of everybody that's over, this don't really taste too good. And, you know, my mom made cornbread. She kind of make it like this. You go ahead and do that, and then you come back and tell me how it goes. <laughs> because it's the same when you say the right thing at the wrong time. You're not going to get a good result. Like, you're going to get something thrown at you. I'm just saying, I don't know this from experience, but I'm just saying this is what happens when the right thing messes up your focus. So when you serve all the time, but you never have time to build a relationship with God, then that would still be the wrong thing because you're seeking wholeness from something that cannot fulfill you. The second thing we need to learn from this story is we don't serve for something. We serve from something. So Jesus wants us to serve, and we believe in serving. That's why we have framework. That's why we have a 10-1 serve one. That's why we have the Next Steps room where you can go and learn all about serving. That's why we did Serve Day, and we go on mission trips to Belize and do local outreaches with students. We believe in serving, but not if that is what you think is your doorway to heaven. Because if you think that I'll just give enough, I'll just do enough, then what will happen to you is you will let people down even though you had great intentions. And when people are not happy with the service that you gave, you will equate that to God not being happy with the service that you gave. And when you, when, come on, when you're on a high horse and you do something that was awesome and people are excited, then you will be overexcited thinking that God is overexcited. But God loves you regardless. And the only thing that he asks for is for you to sit at his feet and submit to him. And he doesn't want you to sit there forever. Come on, we got to grow up sometimes and we got to go out. But when you go out, you come back. And you sit again because Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus in the story because that's what disciples did. During that time when a great teacher or a great rabbi or something would come into town, come on, the people would sit at their feet and they would learn from them. And it was more important for you to grow in your relationship and your knowledge of who God is than it is for you to do something for God. It is for you to do something for God. So the last point that we need to learn from this story is Jesus is the only way to eternal life. It's not how much you serve, even though we love that. It's not how much you give, even though we got a new building to pay for, so do that. <laughs> it's not your degree. Come on, Northwest Arkansas. It's not your job title. It's not what you do for a living. It's not who you know. Um, it's not how much scripture you can memorize, even though I think you should do that. It's not how many Sundays you come to church in a row, even though, come on, get your streak going. We love all those things. But all of those, absent of Jesus, is nothing. You can feel good about yourself, and I've been there before. I've been in a room where the presence of God was at, but I was so busy being concerned with what I had to do for God, 
can have a moment with God. Now, I'm not saying you need to be stretched out in front of the stage crying every Sunday, okay? You got to get it under control. But if you miss moments with God because you're doing things for God, then you might need to revisit where your priorities are because God wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. But somewhere along the lines, we pick up this notion that what we do is who we are. And I have to talk to you that you're a son and a daughter of God no matter what you do. Now, this isn't a free pass for you to just go and be buck wild. We actually have grace because it encourages us and it inspires us to live a life worthy of the calling of God on our lives. So I think that it helps you step into all that God has for you. But you don't have to earn God's love. You don't have to earn that. And you are not what you do. Because if you are what you do, and I think that we picked this up like in high school. Because I remember getting to high school and I was like, okay, who am I going to be? Who am I going to be? Am I going to be somebody? Am I going to be on the basketball team, the soccer team? Am I going to be a smart kid? Am I going to be a dumb kid? Am I going to be a wild kid? And we get to school and before this, we've been children. So we're just like, I'm a, I am who my mama and my daddy say I am. But then we get to school and it's like, oh, I'm a cheerleader. And so I'm going to act like the cheerleaders. Young people, listen to me. I'm a football player, so I'm going to just act like all the other football players. And for adults, we see that, and we know that that's childish. Because it's like, in four years, you're going to graduate, and nobody's going to care about any of that. But even as adults, come on, we pick up, well, what I do is who I am. So if I lead worship, then I'm a worship leader. If I preach, then I'm a preacher. If I'm an accountant, then I'm an accountant. And we find so much of our identity in, who, in what we do, but our identity is to be found in who God says we are. Our identity is to be found in where we sit. Come on, it's not about what you do, it's about where you sit. And baby, you have a seat in the family, and so when you come into the house, come on, you're not looking and hoping that somebody is accepting you. We already accepted you because God accepted you. He formed you in your mother's womb, and he already loves you, so you have a place. And you, and you have to get this, because if not, we'll end up like the Pharisee. And while Jesus is trying to point out the fact that, bro, you can't even do this, on your best day, you can't love nobody like this. On my best day, I can't love anybody like this. If I see you on the side of the road, I might help you. I don't have a donkey, but I do have a Hyundai, and you ain't bleeding in my seats. So we're going to call an ambulance. Furthermore, if I see somebody on the side of the road beat up, the thing that replays in my mind is my mama told me to mind my business, okay? Mind the business that pays you. So I'm like, ah, whoo, I'm minding my business, mama. The oil and the wine, I don't know how much it cost, but it wasn't free. <laughs> Paying for two months for somebody to stay somewhere, I ain't got it like that. You can stay on my couch for two weeks, and then we got to figure it out. This Samaritan went so far past what we can do. It reminds me of when Jesus told people, come on, that if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And then if your eyes cause you to lust, pop them out. <laughs> and if you even look at a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. Nobody can follow that. And his point wasn't to make it harder on us. His point was to point out that I am the only way that you can get there. Like you could try to do this and you may think that you're self-righteous and you can make it, but you can't make it without me. And maybe you're here and you're thinking that and I'm not mad at you. I think one of the things that kept me out of church for a long time when I was younger was that I had this idea of God that if I will get my stuff together, then I can come to God, and then he could use me. And that's what the Pharisees thought. If I will just follow all of these and do all these perfectly. But God is not up there waiting for you to get your stuff together. 
Come on, he's like the Samaritan. He gets off the donkey and says, hey, you, may, you look jacked up right now, but I got a plan for you. I have a future for you, and you can do something, but you have to submit to me. So you got to stand up with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.